You are Locked On Cougars. Welcome into your Monday edition of the show. As you probably have seen over the weekend, four former Cougars getting their chance in the NFL. What are the chances they make their respective rosters? We'll break that down ahead on today's show. Another former Cougar joins the transfer portal from Mark Pope's squad. What does Seneca Knight's entrance into the transfer portal mean for BYU basketball? And of course, we'll catch up on the weekend that was in BYU sports, as well as highlighting another member of our Top 50 countdown of the what we're calling the old-timers, the all-time players in BYU. BYU football history, one of the quarterbacks who helped launch the Lavelle Edwards era. We'll get to all of that ahead on today's show. So without further ado, let's dive on in. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 2nd, 2022. On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. We are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where, of course, the motto is your team every day. And as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. As you can see, I'm wearing a monkey suit today, as I like to call it, uh, a post-church edition. I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon, just recently finished my Sunday meetings and didn't have a chance to record this last night like I was planning on. So guess what? You're getting shirt and tie Jake today. So we'll have some fun with that along the way. But let's dive on in today. As you probably saw Saturday, we saw all four BYU Cougars who got who are getting opportunities in this year's draft class get drafted in the case of Tyler Algier or shortly after the draft uh, ended, three other Cougars getting free agent contracts as undrafted free agents. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the chances each one of these Cougars, Tyler Algier, James Empey, Samson Nakua, as well as Neil Powell, what are the chances they make their respective rosters? Well, that required me to do some digging. I had to pull up rosters, look at some statistics. So let's start off with the guy who did get drafted, and that is Tyler Algier. Taken in the fifth round with the 151st overall pick, he will be a member of the Atlanta Falcons. And I know that his family has expressed they wanted to see him on the West Coast, but as you probably read, Jay Drew did a great piece. He started crying as soon as he heard the news. It's a lifelong dream come true. Any kid, any young man who has gone through this process will tell you that when they hear their name called or they get that opportunity in the case of the other three Cougars we're going to talk about and get that undrafted free agent opportunity, that contract comes across, it just makes you realize you've accomplished something that very few people have accomplished, but a lot of people have dreamed of. I can freely admit, I dreamed of playing in the NFL as a young man. It came very apparent uh, in my teenage years playing high school football and then on into serving my mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, kind of that period, the uh, 17 to 22-year-old period that I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe professional sports isn't going to be my future, but I am lucky enough that I get to talk about them for a job. But for a guy like Tyler Algier, it's really cool to see him accomplish his dream. What do I expect from Tyler Algier with the Atlanta Falcons? I expect him to go in and earn the number two running back job. I looked at that roster, and last year's leading rusher for the Atlanta Falcons, let's be clear, the Falcons were not great last year, but Cordero Patterson, Cordero Patterson who is a converted wide receiver, was their leading rusher a year ago with 618 yards, averaging four yards per carry with six touchdowns. Well, Patterson is currently not on the Atlanta Falcons roster, which leaves Mike Davis as their lead running back. He had 503 yards, averaging 3.6 yards per 
per carry and three touchdowns a year ago. So this is a rushing attack for Atlanta that is very much in need of an upgrade in terms of his overall talent, the depth, etc. And that opens a huge door for Tyler Algier. I think this is actually a really, really good fit for Algier. We'll see how it all pans out. He's got to go in there and show what he can do. The good news is, is Arthur Smith, the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, he runs the wide zone uh, running scheme that Tyler Algier and BYU ran. And that is going to be a tailor-made fit for a guy like Tyler Algier. He'll probably have to learn some new terminology and that type of stuff. But the overall concepts of what he's going into and running with the Atlanta Falcons should not be foreign to him. He should be able to step in, adapt to the system, and get going right away. Who knows? If he has a good season, he could end up as a leading rusher. 500 and 600 yards, 1,100 yards between your top two rushers a year ago, that is a paltry, a paltry rushing attack for the Atlanta Falcons. Tyler Algier himself, I know it was at the college level, but in 13 games, Tyler Algier outrushed the Atlanta Falcons a year ago. They had 1,451 yards as a franchise in 17 games last year. This is a team that is very much in need of a jolt to its rush attack. They need to upgrade that. And the quarterback position also very unsettled. Is it going to be Marcus Mariota who could take some carries away as a dual-threat quarterback? Who knows? But the good news is Tyler Algier is going into a system that I fully expect he will be the number two running back for the Atlanta Falcons as a rookie. Now, the other guys who got opportunities include James Empey, who is going to join the Dallas Cowboys on a free agent deal. This is actually a very good spot for James Empey as well because I pulled up their depth chart from a year ago and also looked at their current roster. The Cowboys only have two centers and three offensive guards on their entire roster currently. Will they supplement that? Undoubtedly. There will be more guys added to this roster whether it's via trade, whether it's by other free agent signings, that type of stuff. But James Empey, if he's able to go into camp 100% healthy, show what he can do, there is a roster slot, in theory, sitting there for him to take. He's an undrafted free agent, so the odds are stacked against him. When you're an undrafted free agent, you have to beat out a number of other guys to earn that roster spot. But I talked with Evan Brennan, and he was on with DJ and PK, the show I produce on a daily basis for the Zone Sports Network. He said, the job of an agent is to find an undrafted free agent the best spot for them. Look at rosters, look at salary uh, cap type stuff, and find a spot where a guy as an undrafted free agent can quote-unquote beat the odds and join the team. It sure looks like the Dallas Cowboys is a place that James Empey could latch on at because he has shown the capability of playing center and both guard spots. The versatility that James Empey has along all three of the interior offensive line positions is something I think that'll be really fun for him. And the cool part about this, another fun tidbit, is that his father, Mike Empey, the former BYU coach uh, on two different stints, he was actually also signed by the Dallas Cowboys when he came out of BYU in 1994. So nearly, uh, what, 30 or 28 years later, uh, we're seeing father and son combo playing for the Dallas Cowboys. So really, really cool stuff for James Empey, and I think it's actually a very good spot for him. He has a chance here, I think, to make this roster because the depth chart just indicates that they need more bodies along the interior of the offensive line, and that could be very good news for a guy like James Empey. Now talking about the two former receivers from BYU who are getting their opportunities this year, those include uh, both uh, Neil Pau, who is going to go to the Buffalo Bills, as well as Samson Nakua, who is going to the Indianapolis uh, Colts. 
It's two different situations here, though. I looked at the rosters for both of these teams, and they are well-stocked with wide receivers. So the first thing is they're going to have to beat out a bunch of bodies. Both Samson and Neal are going to have to beat out a bunch of guys to get their opportunity. But if you look at the statistics for the Buffalo Bills, this is a passing attack that was absolutely prolific a year ago. Josh Allen, the quarterback, is absolutely lights out. He's one of the young stars of the NFL. Well, he's got Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Dawson Knox, and then also Gabriel. Davis, Devin Singletary. There's just so many guys that had really, really solid seasons a year ago. I think Neil Pau is going to face very, very long odds to make the Buffalo Bills roster, but the hope is maybe he has a good enough showing he can make the practice squad and maybe later on in the season get onto an active roster, whether it's with Buffalo or with another team. I think that the best case scenario for Neil is to make that practice squad, just looking at how the roster seems to be falling for Buffalo. Opposite him, Samson Nakua with the Indianapolis Colts, I think there's an opportunity for Samson. Yes, yes, again, he's an undrafted free agent, and there is a lot of guys, there's a lot of bodies out there, but Michael Pittman Jr. was the leading receiver for an Indianapolis offense that didn't have a great passing attack overall. He did have a 1,000-yard season, went for just over 1,000 yards with 1,082 yards, but the next leading receiver was Zach Pascal, I think I got his last, first name correct, 384 yards. Then their starting running back, Jonathan Taylor, was the third leading receiver. Granted, Jonathan Taylor, tailback, as I like to call him, is maybe one of the best running backs in the NFL. T.Y. Hilton, the former legend himself, going into his 12th year, had 331 yards. Mo Ali Cox, their tight end, had 316 yards. Naheem Hines, 310. So, the guys behind Michael Pittman Jr., all within, it uh, seems like, 100 yards of one another, whether it's three to 400 yards on the season. Samson Nakua faces, I believe, better odds than uh, than Neil Pau in terms of making the ro- the Colts roster, but even then, it's still very long odds because there's a lot of bodies just sitting there and obviously be looking for an uptick in their production. So, if I were to handicap this, Tyler Algier, when you get drafted, you are expected to make the roster. I actually think he'll be the number two back for the Atlanta Falcons. I think James Empey faces really good odds just looking right now. It could change, obviously, very quickly with the NFL, free agent signings, etc., trades, that type of stuff that could make it so that he ha- faces longer odds at making the Dallas Cowboys. But of the undrafted free agents, I actually think James Empey, who is probably the most likely outside of Tyler Algier to get drafted, is probably facing the best opportunity to go and be a member of the Dallas Cowboys and how cool would it be to see him make that active roster the good news is they're getting their shot that is the most you can ask for as a guy coming out of the collegiate ranks all you can ask for is an opportunity and now you got to go prove yourself by the way One other quick note on this. How cool is it in back-to-back drafts now for the BYU football program? They've had former preferred walk-ons. We had Dax Milne in 2021 taken by the Washington Commanders, who was a former preferred walk-on, and now Tyler Algier, a former preferred walk-on himself, taken in the fifth round by the Atlanta Falcons. This is a big feather in the cap, I believe, of the BYU coaching staff. They should be crowing about this to all their recruits, who even if they're guys that are saying, hey, we want you to walk on, I would point to uh, Tyler Algier and Dax Milne, get them in touch with these guys and say, here's what you can do as a walk-on with this program. We believe in our development structure. We believe if you come in here, work hard, you are going to be given the best opportunity to succeed. And if you exceed all of everybody's expectations, you can find yourself playing on Sundays. 
That is a pretty compelling pitch, and I think BYU absolutely needs to lean into that a little bit more. But congratulations to all four members of BYU's draft class this year. We'll be rooting them on, and of course, any news that comes out in the offseason about the NFL involving former Cougars, especially these four, we'll be tracking it for you guys. You guys know how we do here. All right, coming up here in just a moment, let's talk some BYU basketball, some news in the transfer portal cycle for BYU. We'll delve into that. First, though, a word on our friends over at Built Bar. Absolutely love this company. Summer is coming, and with the summer, you're going to need some food on the go. I can tell you I will need it because I've got a couple of vacations planned. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags and your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everybody has a bar so you're fueled up for your summer adventures. The best part about the Built Bars, they are healthy and they're delicious. That is a combo you cannot find many places, but Built Bar has it for you, my friends. And have you tried the Built Puffs yet? Maybe if the Built Bar maybe too rich for your liking, a little too uh, thick for your pleasure, your, your chewing pleasure. Well, guess what? I can tell you this much. The Built Puffs, they're light and airy. They're the first of their kind protein-infused marshmallow. They're delicious, and the best part is they are just packed full of goodness, just like the Built Bars are. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. You cannot beat those macros, so give it a shot, my friends. Get to Built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 while you're there. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your order. Once again, promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. Get enjoying the best-tasting protein bars, and do it with our friends at Built Bar. All right, let's talk a little BYU basketball for a minute here. Some news coming out over the weekend, and that is that Seneca Knight, BYU guard slash forward, I I classify him as a swingman, Seneca Knight has entered the NCAA transfer portal. Now, when this news came out, two of you actually DM'd me on Twitter and said, Jake, you talked about Seneca Knight in the transfer portal in your Friday edition. You knew something, didn't you? I, I, I didn't. Uh, if I did, I would have said as such. Let me be very clear about this. Uh, I'm hearing that some of the people had some inkling that Seneca Knight was going into the transfer portal. I heard just moments before the news started filtering out on Twitter about his transfer that it was likely to happen. But when I recorded my Friday edition of the show, I had no knowledge that Seneca Knight was going to make this move, even though I did mention him as a guy to keep an eye on potentially in terms of hitting the transfer portal deadline. Of course, I'm recording this on Sunday, so the deadline hit today. So anybody who went into the portal today and before this is now immediately eligible to play for the upcoming season in the respective sport. You enter the portal after this, you have to sit out a year. You have to sit out that year in residence before being eligible to play for your program. So it's a very critical uh, deadline. And who knows what Seneca Knight's ultimate plan is? He could obviously just be looking at his options. He could be feeling like, you know what, with the return of Gideon George, maybe my role on this team is going to be diminished once again. Who knows what he's thinking, but I think that this is an opportunity for him to make sure that he checks all the boxes, make sure he sees all the options available to him, and finds the best opportunity for himself. Uh, for the season, Knight ended up playing 27 games this past year after, after being a transfer in from LSU previously, also before that played at San Jose State, where he was an all-Mountain West Conference performer, a third team all MWC performer for the Spartans but in his 27 games played for BYU this past season he started eight averaged 7.4 points 3.4 rebounds and 1.4 assists in 22 and change in terms of minutes on the court I would have guessed he was probably going to see an uptick in all of those numbers this coming season, but who knows what his ultimate destination may be. My question about Seneca Knight is, after all these transfers, he transferred from San Jose State to LSU, albeit he never played for the LSU Tigers uh, program before transferring to BYU and suiting up for the Cougars. 
I'm of the opinion, where in the world is he going to be able to play right away outside of dropping a division to division two? That is my question. And let me be, also be very clear about this. I think that if he were to pursue a, uh, what is the waiver from the NCAA? I don't see the NCAA saying no to that. The NCAA doesn't seem like they're in any sort of mood or they don't want the bad publicity of denying a guy his transfer, his transfer request, the uh, appeal for immediate eligibility. Who knows? But you wish Seneca Knight the best, regardless of whatever his situation may be. There are now four scholarships open for Mark Pope and company to work with. I am still hearing very, very good things about Rudy Williams, the transfer from Coastal Carolina. I am fully expecting at this point, in my opinion, this is just me on a Monday talking about this. I believe that Rudy Williams will be a member of the BYU basketball program, barring something completely unforeseen. Uh, He said that he was going on a visit to San Diego State this past weekend, and then he'd be making his decision in the next week or so. So I would expect maybe by the end of this week we could hear some good news on that front but BYU is continuing to bring in guys on visits throughout this upcoming week and the coming weeks as well this portal is chock full of athletes speaking to the transfer portal there are going to be a lot of guys coming and going for BYU yeah they may have lost out on Frederick King which really would have liked to have Frederick King be a member of the Cougars he picked Creighton Uh, I am hearing that Antoine Davis the transfer from Detroit he is more than likely going to pick Kansas State but all hope is not lost If you get Rudy Williams, that is a high-level shooting guard, a guy who shoots the same type of percentages as Alex Barcelo, and that'd be a very, very welcome addition to BYU with still three more scholarships to work with for the BYU basketball program. In Mark Pope, we trust. Let me be very clear about this. I think Mark Pope has got a plan here. He's trying to execute it the best of his ability, and also, he's still trying to hire another assistant coach to replace Chris Burgess. So he's got a lot on his plate, but... I'll say it once, I'll say it again. We will evaluate the BYU basketball program once the signing window ends, which is uh, later towards the end of this this month in May. So I believe May 18th is the close of the signing window. Around that time, we should have a better idea, a more full picture of what the BYU basketball roster is going to look like. And then at that point, we, be, we can get, cast some more judgment about what we ultimately expect. Uh, One other piece of news on the basketball front is best of luck to Gavin Baxter. He announced over the weekend he is transferring to the University of Utah for his super senior COVID year. Best of luck to Gavin. I sincerely wish him the best and hope he has a healthy senior season. Three season-ending injuries. This guy sacrificed a ton for the BYU basketball program. Uh, He was actually a casualty of the scholarship situation BYU found themselves in. BYU just could not afford to give him another scholarship and have him potentially have another season-ending injury and have that scholarship tied up. He was going to be a walk-on if he was going to remain at BYU. Let me be very clear about this. He opted to go find a scholarship for himself find a new opportunity and you wish him nothing but the best even if it is at the University of Utah. Chris Burgess worked with him closely. Chris Burgess knows exactly what Gavin Baxter can offer to the Utes and I wish Gavin Baxter absolutely the best as he moves forward with his career now just 40 miles north at the University of Utah. All right, coming up here in a moment we'll get back to BYU football for a moment with another one of our highlighted players one of the top 50 players in BYU football history a quarterback who helped get the Lavelle Edwards era rolling. You probably know who I'm going to talk about. We'll get to that moment Momentarily, as well as a busy weekend in other BYU sports and some good news for the men's and women's track and field team, in particular, the women's track and field outlet outfit, excuse me. They did some really cool things, setting some records along the way over the weekend. We'll get to all of that here momentarily. First, though, today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Bet Online. 
BetOnline. BetOnline is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports information needs. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season right now. Uh, if you guys want to get futures odds, we just talked BYU basketball. You can get futures odds on the NCAA tournament odds for BYU. I believe it's 250 to 1 right now at BetOnline.net. You also can get to the futures odds on over-unders for the coming college football season. No matter what your interest in sporting needs are, BetOnline can get them for you guys. They are your continued source for all of your sports wagering information. They can get you live betting, uh, playoff odds, uh, esports, all that stuff. They've got you covered top to bottom. Let's just be very clear about this. I'm a big fan of BetOnline, the way they operate. It's a very simple process. So head to the website today. That's BetOnline.net and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action available to you now. Once again, at BetOnline.net. It's all courtesy of our friends over at BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. We are very proud to be here with you guys talking Cougars every single day. And before we go on today's show, let's highlight another one of the former Cougars who is one of the guys who I feel like um, without him, the Lavelle Edwards era maybe has a different tenor and tone to it all. And who am I talking about? I'm talking about the man himself, Gary Scheide. You still see him very often on a multiple uh, BYU sports broadcast, did BYU baseball for many, many years. A guy who came to BYU in the early 1970s, and without him, it feels like maybe the Lavelle Edwards era would have gotten off to maybe a slower start, and who knows if he even gets off to the start that it needed to do what he did in his 29 years of just absolute glory at the helm of the BYU Cougars. Gary Scheide was a transfer from Diablo Junior College coming in from California. He was a native of Antioch, California. Came to BYU as a guy who wanted to throw the football. And Lavelle Edwards, he has talked about this, or he, he did talk about it, how he felt like in the era of the wishbone, the triple option, he wanted to do something different and see if it could get some results. Because BYU had done a lot of the things that the prevailing notions of the sport at the time were doing, and it hadn't necessarily worked out for him. He also pointed to Virgil Carter, another name we'll talk about, as a guy who threw the ball a lot, and he felt like, you know what, let's give this a shot. So Gary Scheide came in, and he did not have the prolific numbers that other quarterbacks after him would have at BYU. It actually really took until Mark Wilson and Jim McMahon before the prolific, high-flying BYU offenses we all think of really took off. Gary Scheide, for his career in 1973 and 1974, totaled a grand total of four. 1,587 yards. So, compared to some of the other great quarterbacks in BYU football history, relative pittance compared to them. But he was very important in getting the offense established that would become that high-flying offense for the Cougars. He also led BYU to their first bowl game in program history, the 1974 Fiesta Bowl. Uh, Cougars were actually leading that game 6-0 when he injured his shoulder and was forced out of the game. They ultimately lost that game to Oklahoma State, but Gary Scheide has been a fixture in the Utah community since then. I believe he's nearing 70 years old now. He worked at the high school level for many, many years as a teacher and an administrator, a guy who did many BYU baseball games on radio and TV over the years, a guy that I enjoyed getting to know and I've gotten to know over the years as well. Just a fun, fun individual to know. And the good news is he is number 45 in our countdown here of the greatest Cougars of all time. Uh, so those of you who may be checking the show out for the first time, the way we've split this up this year. We're doing a 100-day countdown weekdays to the BYU football season, and the way we're doing it is we're doing the top 50 players outside of the independent era for BYU, as well as the top 50 players of the independent era. We're alternating days. Today was what we're calling the old-timers, the 
all-time greats outside of the independent era. And Gary Scheide is our selection on today's show. All right, other news we need to get to real quick here on the BYU sports front is congratulations to BYU men's golf. They shot 12 under par as a team in the final round of the West Coast Conference Championship at Reflection Bay Golf Club in Henderson, Nevada. They finished runner-up to defending national champion Pepperdine. It's hard to take down a defending national champion, but the good news is for BYU, they finished tied for second overall as a team. Cole Ponich uh, leading the way with a tied for fourth finish at five under par. Max Brenchley was just behind him at four under par. And BYU's best player most of the season, Carson Lundell, was tied 12th at two under par. But the good news is for BYU finishing tied for second should give the Cougars a great opportunity at making the NCAA regionals. They'll need a fantastic showing at the NCAA regionals. That announcement will come up later this week. Uh, Cinco de Mayo, Thursday, that announcement comes, who will compete in the NCAA regionals from May 16th to the 18th. With that T2 finish for BYU, they tied with LMU at 12 under par in the tournament, five strokes back of number six Pepperdine. BYU should make the regional at this point, and that's some good news for Bruce Brockbank, Todd Miller, and the rest of the crew with the BYU men's golf program. So congratulations to them on that finish. BYU baseball was in the Bay Area this past weekend, taking on USF. They suffered back-to-back losses Thursday and Friday to lose the series, but in the rubber match, they did come out with a big win, 12-4. The Cougars are now 8-10 in West Coast Conference play, still scrapping, trying to get themselves onto the right side of the West Coast Conference Tournament. They have a big week in California this week as well. They'll take on Cal State Fullerton tomorrow before a three-game series at Pepperdine later this weekend. So best of luck to the BYU baseball program. The women's softball program continues to roll. They are 34-10 on the season. They swept their games over the weekend against Santa Clara, winning an incredible 20-1 on Friday night in the first game of their doubleheader. The second game, they won that in five innings, by the way. Second game was much lower scoring, 3-2 in that one, and then they won the final game of the series Saturday afternoon 4-2. BYU 34-10 on the season. Back in first place in the West Coast Conference at 7-2 in conference play. So good job uh, to the BYU women's softball program. And then the biggest thing we need to talk about here is the weekend that the men's and women's track and field teams had across the country, in particular the women's team. BYU set school records in three different events over the weekend. Let's run them down for you. So they set the school record in the 4 by 100 meter relay at the Desert Heat Classic in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, A Adobe Tagubo, Tay Raymond, Dolita Awalas Shaw, and Annalise Hart clocked a 44.68 seconds in the 4x100, breaking the school record by 0.2 seconds, which was set back in 2010. Congratulations to all four of those athletes. And then on the the day before this, excuse me, the women's team, the women's track and field distance runners, broke a school record, broke two, uh, man, I'm screwing this up. They broke two school records at the Penn Relays at Franklin Field in Philadelphia. The first was a BYU's group of Elena Ellsworth, Claire Seymour, Lauren Ellsworth-Barnes, and Megan Hunter teamed up in the 4x800 meter relay, finishing third with a time of 828.24 seconds. That surpassed an 11-year-old program record in the event with a time of 831.59, which they almost broke by three, oh, no, over three seconds. So congratulations to the 4x800 team. And then also, the same uh, day as that, the women's distance medley relay team set a program record with their time of 10 minutes, 50.22 seconds. So they broke the record by nearly uh, seven seconds for BYU in that event, which set back in 1999. So talk about an incredible weekend for the BYU women's track and field team. That's showing well, and they did this at three different places. And the Penn Relays, by the way, for those of you who don't know, Penn Relays is one of the oldest track and field events across the country. The way you actually get your trophy, it's a big wheel. It's a big, uh, think of it as uh, as if you were... Um, 
uh, what am I trying to think? Uh, at a lumberjack event where they kind of saw off those wheels. It's what it kind of looks like, but it's one of the more prestigious events in the entire country. And to see BYU set two program records at that, very, very cool stuff. And uh, the thing is, the distance medley relay team, the 4 by 800 team, finished in third place, whereas the DMR team actually won the event. They got that big wheel. It's the first wheel in program history at the Penn Relay. So very, very cool stuff for the women's track program. And congratulations to them on that award. All right, so there you go. That is going to do it for today's edition of the show. A huge thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Tomorrow on the show, I had a great conversation with somebody. We talked last week about some of the radical proposals for uh, NCAA future, the future of the NCAA, I guess what I should say, and how uh, scholarship limits might change for your Olympic sports. Had a great conversation with somebody who's much more in the know it, the, knowing it than myself. I wanted to dig into that a little bit more and give you some of the details on what it might look like and how it might work for BYU and other programs. So we'll get to that on tomorrow's show. And we'll also later this week be joined by Clint Overby. He is the ESPN vice president of events. He actually handles the bowl game that BYU will play in, in their final season of independence. How might that play out? He'll try to explain that. That'll be coming up later this week as well, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Currently looking at Wednesday on that, so just as a heads up for you guys, but that could move up or down in terms of when we ultimately are able to knock out that interview. So a big thank you once again for making us your first listen today. want to encourage you guys now to get over to listen to Locked On Big 12. Get all of your daily Big 12 news in 30 minutes or less with Big 12 expert Josh Neighbors. Of course, I am a regular on their, uh, what we call the Big 12 Roundtable Show. That usually comes out midweek, but check out Locked On Big 12. Make it your second list end of the day as we run out the door here. That's going to do it. Have a great rest of your day. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 2nd, 2022, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.